Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. You had nothing to do with it. You didn't even know about it. But I am giving the word today. I am not Pastor John, but I am, however, Pastor Kaya. Yes, I am the other half of him. We're one. So I'm just like the other half of him. Like, like the, I don't want to say the softer side because I am the same one that tells him, punch him in the face. So I am not necessarily the softer side. I'm just the other side. But thanks be to God that I'm able to have the privilege of being able to uh, communicate the word to you today. I'm very um, excited about that. Uh, I just want to give thanks and honor to my amazing husband who uh, we're celebrating 13 years next Monday. So I just want to warn all you guys in advance. Okay, if you guys follow us on Facebook, I'm warning you in advance that your news feed will be polluted with lots of mushy stuff from us. If it's too much, just hit unfollow. Because it don't stop. It ain't stopping. Like, it's just gearing up. So, but I just want to give thanks and honor to you, babe, for allowing me to stand on your shoulders and do what I do here today. It's only because you allow me to and you have have um, prayed and spoke life and truth over me to a point where it have allowed me to stand here and be able to proclaim the gospel today. So I honor you, and I love you very much. Yes, we have an amazing pastor. So if any of you missed Bible study on Tuesday, you missed it. Okay, whoever was there, yell out, you missed it. Yes, because it was really good. We talked about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It was bomb. We started off the week before talking about uh, um, possession and, you know, demonic attacks and stuff. That's always good. Like, that's always good and juicy stuff, too. I like, I like diving into stuff like that. I'm like, let's just talk about it. Let's go there. You know, let's talk about demons and stuff. Let's, let's do it. I ain't scared. You know, we should not. There should be no, nothing timid about us. We have authority. God has given us authority in the earth. So let's walk in it. We ain't scared of them. So we started off talking about demonic possessions and all that stuff, and then we, went, we ended with indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because is anybody in here dry? No. There's no dry places in here, right? See, if you were at Bible study, you'd know. You'd be like, no, I am not dry. Okay? Because demons like to go to dry places. Y'all missed it. Y'all should have been there. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 13, and talking about the Holy Spirit, it says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a major, major, major uh, factor in our lives. And um, it's very important for us to know um, our desperate need of being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, one of the things you'll notice at the end of that scripture it says that he will tell you things to come. That's pretty important because I want to know what's coming. Like, have you ever seen a bunch of people running? And you're like, why are you running? <laughs> I want to know why they're running. The Holy Spirit would be like, run. You get what I'm saying? It's talking about discernment. There's, I talk about it all the time. There's nothing worse than a Christian that lacks discernment. Christians should have discernment. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. When you have the Holy Spirit, you got discernment. Like your spider senses. My spidey senses. Is that what he says? Spidey senses? Holy Spirit. Like something's not right about that person. I think I won't take the job. Like you need discernment. 
in every aspect of your life with every decision that you make. A lot of times, uh, a lot of us get so caught up in being successful, and we have this thought-out idea of what success and what our successful life is or what it will look like. And a lot of times, we chase that more than anything else. And if a lot of us will be really honest, a lot of us will admit that that's a lot of us. A lot of us, a lot of the time. You know what I mean, a lot? So, but the thing is that we have to know the importance of discernment because we can't get so caught up in success that we miss God. Um, I like to tell this story. I've told it before. Uh, whoever was in first service, don't give it away. So um, I was one of those people, young and zealous, and I had my idea of success. And I was going to work in, I was working in investments, and I was going to interview for this job. It was like the best hedge fund uh, investors in San Francisco. And I'm like, dude, this is it. I got on my knees. I prayed hard. Have you ever prayed hard? Like you get up, you, you finish praying, and you're sweating. Like I was sweating. I said amen. I'm like, I'm sweating. I felt like I was like, like how Jesus was praying in the garden. I was, it was probably close to that because I was praying hard. So when I got up from, from uh, praying, I was like, I got that job. I don't know what's going to happen in this interview, but I believe I have that job. I go into the interview, I'm talking to the CEO, you know, I met the uh, person, my direct uh, supervisor, but then I met the CEO, and he and I just hit it off. He's talking about how important relationships are to him, and that he built his company on relationships and integrity and trust. That's just the kind of guy he was. And so what do I say? Psh, me too. That's just like me. I'm just like that. <laughs> so we hit it off. We're talking. We're laughing the whole time. We didn't even talk about the job. So he says, hey, um, next week I'm having this picnic. I throw this huge picnic in Napa. Everybody wants to come to my picnic. All our investors will be there. All our clients will be there. You've got to come. And I'm thinking, oh, this must be like the final test. So I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. So, you know, I, I show up and I'm like, man, I got to make a good impression at this picnic. So I made sure I was looking cute because, you know, that's always important too, okay? When you look cute, you feel cute, and you feel confident. That's, you guys can take that home. Put that in your pocket. Feel cute, look cute. Feel confident. Okay, so anyway, I show up to the picnic. I'm all excited. I show up with my blanket. I pull up, and there's, they're valeting the cars. I'm like, oh, they valet cars at picnic. That's new. Okay, so I get out of my car, and the valet people take it. I get out with my blanket, and I'm walking up, and I'm noticing as they're driving away with my car that there are waiters in tuxedos walking around with trays, flutes of champagne and hors d'oeuvres. I'm like, no one else has a blanket. What do I do? I stash the blanket in the bush. I'm like, I cannot be showing up with a blanket. I'm trying to make a good impression. I want to be successful. I am going to get this job, and I'm going to be successful. So I stash the blanket in the car, I mean, in the bush somewhere, and I'm like, okay, now I have to walk up to some people and talk because this must be the final test for me to get the job. So I see some guys are standing around in a circle. They look pretty fun. I'm fun. So I'm like, I think they're the ones. I think they're the ones that I'm going to walk up to and start talking to first, okay? Thinking the conversation out in my head. I'm going like, hi, I'm Kaya. Okay, how are you? what's your name? How are you? Okay, I got it all together. So I walk up. Hi, I'm Kaya. What's your name? Long pause. I'm Kaya. What's your name? I'm Jim. This is Scott, Billy, and Paul. Hey, guys. Well, I'm excited to be here. I don't know anyone here. Uh, so, you know, I just interviewed last week. I'm not sure if I'll get the job, but if I do get the position, we'll be working together, la, 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 right? Long, awkward pause. They just keep looking at each other. I'm like, oh, this is not working out. But you know me, I'm no quitter, so I'm still talking. <laughs> Finally, what do they do? They walk off as I'm still talking, and I'm like, and you know, I, I, I'm from Fairfield, but, you know, I went to school in Vallejo, and 
they left. I'm like, that was not nice. So after I hide in the bathroom for a while, and I get the courage to come out, that's when I finally notice them on stage. They're the band. Yeah, they're the band. They were hired to play the music. That's why they were, <laughs> that's what that was. Okay, and then I later find some other people. I'm talking to them, and that's when I realized, they're like, oh, yeah, you're the new person. We hear you have the job. I'm like, oh, 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 I have the job? They're like, yeah, you didn't know? that. Yeah, they're, they're not doing any more interviews. You have the job. That, it's your job. I'm like, I had no idea. The thing is, what I realized is, is that I walked to, into the picnic thinking that I had to make an impression and be something and do something over something that I already had. How many of us are like that? Like we try so hard to kiss up to the people that we think we're supposed to kiss up because we think they're the ones that's going to take us straight to the top. When God's like, I got an elevator with your name on it. The thing is that when we realize who we are and what God has called us to and what God has called us to be, all we have to do is just be. All the guy told me was, just come. He didn't tell me to make any impressions, to kiss up to anybody, to do no song or dance. Just come. He failed to tell me I had the job, but the thing is that that's so many of us in life. Just be. Because God says, your identity is in me, and I know where I've called you to do, and I know what I've called you to be. Just show up. The thing is that if they really knew who I was, they'd be kissing up to me, okay? Because I'm anointed. So the thing is that a lot of times uh, there's a lot of roads and paths that are paved with yes. Like, this is the road to success. This is the road to lots of money. This is the road to fame. This is the road to being a celebrity. This is the road for you. You ever got a phone call and you're like, oh, this must be God. This is a blessing. This, oh, this must be God. I don't even have to ask. God, is this you? No, I, this is God. I'm not asking. It's him. But how many know the devil loves to bless people too? It's called bait. Like, hey, yeah, come on this way. Come on this way. The thing is that in Proverbs 16, verse 25, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. It's so important for us to have discernment, Christians. We all know how to explain our way into everything. Well, you know, I really decided this is what I'm going to do because this, this, and this, and you know, I've really thought this out. Have you ever, anybody ever come up to you and just like have the whole thing thought out so you don't really want to tell them, yeah, that's not God. It's like you don't want to tell them because they've thought it all through. I mean, like to the point where you're like, who am I to like rain on their parade? But that's a lot of us. Like we think things out. We have a vision. We have a plan for our life to such a point where God's like, well, I'll just wait until you decide you want to ask me. I mean, have you guys ever had like a holy moment where there's something, where you've been working really hard at something, you've been praying really hard, you've been investing a lot of time, a lot of money into something, and then all of a sudden you notice God's nowhere in this. Like, God's nowhere into this, in this. I, everything that I do, everything that I say, every lesson that I teach, every, every prayer I offer, every um, 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 message that I preach, I want, it to, I want it to be what God has called for it, it to be in advance. Jeremiah 29 11 says that I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord, the thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. Somebody say expected end. 
expected end. I've been talking about it a lot, especially at prayer, because this has been really heavy on my heart because God has an expected end for me. And it's important for me to know that there are some thoughts that God has about me that I need to figure out how do I get my thoughts to line up with God's thoughts because there's an expected end for me. Because a lot of times we can get so distracted with our today that we don't realize, no, no, you're not there. There's an expected end, and this is not it. What's really important for me is to get my well done. Like, it's really important for me to get my well done. After it's all said and done, after every, every, after every church door has been closed, after every light has gone off, it's important that when I get to the end that God says, well done. I'm living for a well done. In everything that I do and everything that I say, I refuse for my life to sum up to nothing. A lot of times we can place ladders in lots of different places, but we don't realize that we're climbing it to appease ourselves. We haven't asked God not one second, God, is this the direction that you would have me go? We create our own success stories, and we leave God's behind until we fall on our face so many times that we decide to ask, oh, yeah, God, what would you have me do? We can't get caught without discernment. Because a lot of times when we get caught without discernment, we are going in a completely different direction. And a lot of times it takes up a bunch of more time for us to turn and get things lined up in the direction that we're supposed to go. God's GPS is amazing. I don't know about you guys, but when I set my GPS, I set it at, at home in my garage. But already knowing that when I pull out the garage, I got to go feed the kids, I got to go get gas, and I got to go buy Starbucks because I'm not going anywhere with no coffee. But I don't tell GPS that. So what happens? After I'm making all these stops, GPS is saying what? Recalculating. Please turn left. She turned right. Okay, recalculating. Recalculating. I mean, I know I'm going to eventually listen. I'm going to eventually be where the GPS is telling me to be. But right now, I just got a couple of stops that I want to make. How familiar does that sound? Like, I mean, I know I'm going to eventually start listening, but just let me make a couple of more stops. There's a couple of more things I want to do first before I'm directed in the direction I'm supposed to go. Recalculating. I love how persistent God's GPS is in our life. Constantly recalculating. Constantly. Every time I tell my husband to punch someone in the face, Holy Spirit's like, recalculating. It's okay. And I love the tone of voice. The tone of voice is never like, oh, recalculating. Kaya, get it together. No, it's recalculating. You'll get there. Um, when, when we look at success stories, a lot of times I like to look at success stories and read success stories, but we have to be careful reading other people's success stories because we can walk and run in the, in the footsteps of other people, but that's not our success story. We have to know what our story is. What does my expected end look like? It may look different than yours. So I have to know what my expected end that God has for me. I'm not sure if any of you guys know, but there is an end coming. Like every beginning, there's an end. I mean, I'm not looking at the end like, oh, glooming, it's going to end. No, it's like it's going to be an end. But I'm looking toward it toward with joy and with hope and with great expectation because God is. God's happy about my expected end, so why shouldn't I? I should be happy about what my expected end is going to be like. When we look at Apostle Paul, we follow a lot of his teachings in the Bible, but I like to look at how he started, which is really interesting because 
because Apostle Paul is such an amazing uh, pillar um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Bible and um, in just the, in the work that God's doing here on the earth, you would think that he'd have a different beginning. But I like to read about how he began, and that's in um, Acts chapter 8. We're not going to read it on the board or anything like that. But if you ever want to know about how, how young Saul started out, sounds like a rapper, young Saul. Um, he started off very different than how he ended. Like he, was, he, he pretty much was all that in a bag of chips. Like, and when I picture young Saul, I picture him being the student in the class that didn't just read chap, up to chapter 3, which is what everyone was assigned. He read up to chapter 10, and when he came back, he wanted to tell everybody about what was coming because he knew already. I believe when I picture young Saul, I picture young Saul as the guy that wanted to tell the teacher while he was, why he was wrong and give a five-point dissertation of something else, like his theory on why his theology was off. I picture, that's how I picture young Saul. I picture young Saul as the guy that sat in the front of the class and looked at everybody else and was like, you guys are beneath me. You guys watch what I become. I picture also young Saul as the guy that looked at his teachers like, not, ever, not only am I going to supersede you, but I'm going to supersede you in a, in a shorter amount of time than it took you to get to where you're at. That's how I picture young Saul. He was brilliant, he was zealous, and he was determined. Those are all really great things. I'm not saying anything was wrong with how young Saul was because I believe young God made young Saul to be like that for his purpose and for his glory. Whatever your characteristics are, don't look at it as if it's a bad thing. It's not. It is good. But the thing, one element, the couple of elements that young Saul had that I believe steered him in the wrong direction was pride and prejudice. You know, we like to sit across the dinner table and talk about the Antichrist because it's just weird like that. You know, we just like to talk about demons and Antichrist. But... Whenever I talk about, like, what the Antichrist is probably doing right now and what age and what are his characteristics, pride and prejudice has to be the top two. Because pride and prejudice goes against, as, goes anti everything that God wants to do and everything of who God is. God is love. God is unity. God is, um, um, he, God is on the move. But everything about pride and prejudice is a stumbling block and a barricade to every single one of those elements. And the thing is that we have to be careful about getting sucked in to pride and prejudice because what happens is it places us on a different path and before you know it, we're going the wrong direction and we're opposing who we're supposed to be advancing. Amen? You guys get that? But young Saul, if I believe if we asked him what success looked like to him, he would have said something completely different than what he talked about in Philippians or 2 Timothy or whatever. Like it was completely different than who he was in his latter days after his transformation. But a lot of us, we stay that young Saul. Like we don't give our chance, our, ourselves a chance to mature to get beyond what our idea of success is. That's why discernment is so, so very important. We're going to turn our Bibles to um, Psalms chapter 119, verse 105, and this is our uh, theme scripture today. This is where we're going to land and dissect. Psalms 119 and 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's so awesome. So deep, you know, so deep, so few words, but so deep. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We can't make it through this dark world to our expected end without light. If you notice that scripture is talking about lamp and light, which tells me some things are going to get dark. Obviously, we're going to need some light because we're going into some dark places. The title of today's message is Light It Up. Somebody say, Light It Up. Light it up. Yes, Light It Up. You guys need to 
wake up anyway. Because see, today I'm staying calm. Today is a calm. It's a good word, but it's calm. There's not going to be any yelling today. It's just, it's just I'm just talking to you like, hello, friends. Today's that kind of message. Hello, friends. Light it up. See, there's a difference between lamp and light. Light represents knowledge, the knowing. You guys ever heard, oh, yeah, the light bulb came off. Oh, yeah, it's like the light just went on. I get it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Pastor John does that all the time. Uh-huh. I believe the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and young Saul had light. You know? Because light is like knowledge. It's like they know. But what happens with knowledge? Knowledge puffeth up. Right? This is the age of information. Like, information is limitless. It becomes an issue when you know too much, but you don't have enough experience. You know, this reminds me of Papa. I'm not sure who has watched a football game with Papa, but in our house, it's football season, and Papa watches football games, rerun football games, clips of football games, commentary fo about football games, commentaries about football players that play in the football games. Football, football, football. And this guy comments about everything, especially if the, the Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys are playing. The Dallas Cowboys are playing, like, turn all the lights off, everybody stay still, because the house is about to shake. This guy, he's yelling at the coaches, he's calling people idiots, why would you put him in? You know, he, he got hurt last week, don't put him in, oh my gosh. And I'm trying to think, why don't someone call Papa? Like, why doesn't the coaches call him? Just call him, like, he knows everything like he knows who should be played and who shouldn't who should be plucked out he knows what plays should be run somebody please call this man but the interesting thing about papa is papa has never played football never i'm not talking about like high school football pop warner i'm talking about not even in the street throw the ball papa has never played football okay but this guy knows all the knowledge about football. And how, what does he do? He sits down on that couch and he commentates that whole game. Who messed up? Who's an idiot? That was stupid. Why, why did they throw that flag? Nope, that was wrong. Uh-uh. Nope. You saw that? Yeah, you see that? Mm-hmm. I caught it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This guy knows it all. But there's a problem when you have knowledge that's not being exercised. This guy, not throwing a ball, not teaching a class, not just, just talking about football. That's it. The light is on, okay? This guy got a lot of light when it comes to football. But the problem is when we don't have a place to put the knowledge, when we don't have something to, com to contain the knowledge, to hold the knowledge, it puffeth up. Psalms 119, 105, I'll read it again. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lamp, let's talk about lamp. Lamp is something that holds the light. When it's dark, you don't say, oh, wow, man, I need a lamp. No, you say, I need a light. But what does the lamp do? It holds the light. Like a candle holds a flame or a cup holds water, your word, oh God, is a lamp to my feet. God's word is what holds the revelation and the knowledge about where I go, how I govern my life, what I do, and what I become. Amen? What is the point of me having a whole bunch of knowledge but lack revelation? What is the point of me having a, hearing a whole bunch of stuff but not doing nothing? 
People love to know, but they hate to learn. People are like, just tell me what I need to know so I can just go off and run off and do my success story. Like, just tell me what I need to know. I don't want to sit here and hear you recap about your whole life and why you did this and why you do that. No, I don't want to watch you for a week. I don't even want to watch you for a whole day. I just want you to tell me what I need to know because I don't want to sit here and learn from you. I want to just go off and do and be my own success story. That's the age of our generation right now. They want to know, but they hate to learn. I call it wildfires and floods. Why? Because you got fire with no candle. You got water with no vessels. I just want the no. I don't want the vessel. I don't want the holder. I don't want the container. I don't want to compare it or hold it in the word of God. I just want to know. I just want to know. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 through 7. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's like sitting in a Sunday service every Sunday but not able to hold on to anything. Wildfires and floods. Like, I know, I know. You try to tell them, hey, yeah, yeah, the reason why you fell on your face. No, 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 I already know. No, no, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, mm -hmm, I know. Wildfires and floods. Like, well, if you know, why do you keep falling on your face? They want to know, but they don't want to learn. In the last days, there's going to be a bunch of people knowing a bunch of stuff, doing a bunch of stuff, uh, but, and, but not comparing it and containing it in the word of God. Like I said, again, it's the age of limitless information, the internet. Internet, like whatever you want to know, you can know it in five seconds. Limitless information, knowing, no learning. Wildfires and floods. There's new people popping up with new doctrines. Well, see, our church believes this, and our church believes that's what we decided. This is what we're going to do because this is what we know. Wildfires and floods. Let me tell you this quote. People with good intentions make moves, but people with God-like character move heaven. Why? Because the word says that if you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask what you will and it will be done. Why? Because you're one. God's saying, if you're in me and I'm in you, go ahead. Uh, there's a lot of times where people need Pastor John to show up to a meeting or they need Pastor John to decide on some stuff and he'll send me because he can't go. So I show up and I say, okay, yeah, we'll do that. We'll go ahead and go that direction. People don't say, well, Pastor John didn't say. Why? Because we're one. Because I'm in him and he's in me and we're one. I'm trying to get you guys to connect it. God's basically saying, when I'm in you and you're in me, you can go ahead and declare and decree a thing. You can go ahead and prophesy and speak those things as though it's were. Why? Because I'm in you and you're in me and we're one. So go ahead and declare a thing. When you show up, I show up. You guys get it? Also notice a lamp is something that, that lights a certain area. It lights a certain area. Your word is a lamp to my what? Feet. It's not a light that lights up the whole, my whole life, my whole journey. No, it lights up my feet, which tells me that it's just enough light for the next step. God's given me just enough grace for the next step. God's word is a lamp to my feet, which is telling me where I should go, where I should go around. Should I go through or should I go around? 
It's a lamp to my feet. It helps me with my direction in my life. I want to ask a question. If God handed you a book with your name on it, show of hands, that, that told your whole entire story from beginning to end, raise of hands, would you buy it? Okay, here's another question. I want you guys to raise your hand if the answer is yes. If you got the book and it told your whole entire life, would you flip to the back of the book? I would too. I would too. Because you know why? I'm like, man, forget this next step. I want to know how this thing ends. I would do that. I do it now. I get books. I flip to the, to, I got flipped to the end. And I'm like, okay, how's it end? Okay, 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 now, now I'll read the story. Okay. That's just like with TV shows. I record the TV shows because I want to fast forward when I'm getting nervous. Like if someone's about to break up, I'm like, are they going to break up? Oh, let me fast forward. Okay, no, they're together. Okay, let me write it. I'll, 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 I'll watch the story. Hot mess, hot mess. That's why God's like, I'm not giving you guys the remote. No. There's an expected end. I know the plans. God says, who knows it? Not you. Who knows it? God knows the plans. <laughs> and there's an expected end for you. You don't have the remote. You did not DVR this thing, okay? You've got to get the lamp upon your feet so you can know what the next step is. And here's what's important. A lot of times, because I know a lot of us will skip to the end, we'll fail to have what we need for each step. Because every step that we take is necessary for the next. There's so many lessons I've learned five years ago that's helping and benefiting me today that I had not a clue I was going to need. But had I skipped to my loo and skipped a bunch of steps, I probably would have fallen on my face by now because I just want to know. I don't necessarily want to learn. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Light is always necessary in dark places. We're going to need some help navigating through the path that's been, that's been ordered for us to travel, which means it's going to get dark. Like, I'm not trying to be one of those doom and gloom preachers right now, but it's going to get dark, guys. Like, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but nighttime's coming, y'all. Like, it's about to get dark. And it's important for us to know and be guarded with what we need in order to navigate through the terrain that God's taking us through. Amen. I don't even have to ask if maybe some of you have been through some dark times because I know you have. You know why? Because it comes with the package. Like it literally comes with it. And just like you, I have been through some really dark times that it, had it not been for the light of God in my life, I may have fallen and just died there. When I say die, I'm talking about spiritually. I don't know how many people I encounter at the gym, uh, just out and about. It's almost like being a pastor is really hard because people, people, um, um, stereotype. They're like, oh, you're one of those. And so many people have been hurt by the church. And so what happens is because they've been hurt by the church, they go ahead and add me to that group me. Like they add me to, to the group. Like, oh, you're one of those. Boop. Yeah, I thought I liked you, but no, we can't be friends. Now all of a sudden I'm like, where's this brick wall coming from? Oh, it's because I'm a pastor. Okay, I see what's happening here. The thing is that so many people have died in their dark place. You think dying is like physically like, no, I'm talking about like spiritually dying, like walked away from God because they didn't make it out of the dark place. I remember four years into our marriage, a lot of people see Pastor John and I on Facebook and it's really annoying and they're like, oh my gosh, they're like really annoying. It's like too much. But people don't know that we're celebrating the fact that 
dude, we still together. We almost didn't make it. Four years into our marriage, like, I was like, oh, oh, so this is where it's going to fade to black. Oh, this is where it ends. All right. Like, literally had not a clue how we were going to make it out of that. And maybe one day, Pastor John will tell you that testimony. I don't want to tell his story, you know. No. But, um... <laughs> but the thing is that our situation was so hard that if God didn't show us the way out, like, we would not have made it. That's where I know that our marriage would have died. It was, in, it was in the way, it was in our eyes. Like, we literally looked at each other like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, so it's over? Oh, oh okay, so it's over. Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. So because the light saw us out, don't know how we got it out, but because the light got us out, dude, we celebrate. We celebrate. Because we know the coffin was ordered. Like, the coffin was on its way, UPS. Like, but we made it out. It's almost like, you know how you have anybody been in a car accident? I know I have been in a couple of car accidents where it's almost like all of a sudden you're like, and then the car stops and you're like, It was like one of those where it's like we can't even really help. We can't even really recant what happened because it was so fast and it was so disastrous where it was almost like it's like when we realized what was happening, God had already brought us out. And we were still like shaking like, did that really just happen? Our marriage almost died there. Somebody say light it up. I remember I tell this story all the time, and the reason why I tell the story all the time is because I do not want to forget the testimony of God's great, greatness and goodness in my life. But I tell this story all the time about my daughter being 18 months old, and I remember sitting in that hospital room reading the nurses and the doctor's face as they were trying to give it to me gently that we can't help your daughter. Like, your daughter is going to die. I remember reading their face, and I remember thinking, oh, so this is where my faith is going to die. Who can imagine tomorrow without your child, leaving your child in yesterday? Like, to me, like, there was no thought that went past that thought. When you have a child that's dying, like, you don't think about three months down the road. You're just thinking, my baby needs to get better. So I remember thinking, oh, okay, so this is where my faith is going to die? Because my baby died, my faith died with, with her. And if it had not been for the light... To lead me up out of there, I do not know what would have been of today. I remember a couple of months ago in my, in my mother's hospital room, just being burdened down with regret and just hopelessness and just feeling so helpless. And I remember, man, God, I need you to say something. I need you to say something. Because I remember thinking, wow, so I guess this is where my hope is going to die. But if it had not been for the light... All of a sudden, God's encouraging me in a time where I thought I was unable to be encouraged. Thank you, God, for the light. Proverbs 3 and 6 says this, In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Which means he's going to tell you where to go. But what do you have to do? You have to acknowledge him. When you get that phone call and you're like, huh, this is God. No, God, is this you? God, is this you? Should I do this? Should I take this? Should I get involved with this relationship? Should I take this job? Should I buy this house? God, is this you? 
Don't just assume because it looks good and because it's paved with good intentions that it's God. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, in every decision, in every season, whether it's light or whether it's dark. Acknowledge the Lord. Why would God tell Joshua in 1 and 9, be courageous if we weren't going to come against some times or have some seasons of being afraid? Somebody say, light it up. Why would God say in John 16, one of my favorite scriptures, in the world you will have great tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have already overcome the world. Why would he say that if we weren't going to come against some stuff that was going to be hard and we'd feel completely helpless again, helpless against? Somebody say, light it up. Why? Because the light is going to come. The light is going to come. I don't know whether the light is going to come in your marriage, the darkness is going to come in your marriage, whether the darkness is going to come in your job, in your finances, with your children, in your children's lives, whatever it is. The darkness, the dark times are going to come, and you're going to need some light to navigate through it. Why? Because it, I'm not saying it's because you're a bad person. You could be the best person in the world. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. The rain and the dark times come for every single person. You're going to need some light. What is faith if it's not tested? What is trust if it's not fortified with the testimonies of how good and how strong and how faithful God is? Would I be able to stand before you today and tell you how good and how strong and how faithful God is if I hadn't been through some, some hard times and some dark places? Trust without faith, trust without waiting is just striving. A lot of times we'll say, well, I trust you, God, but I know somehow I got to make it happen. So many of us have taken that scripture, faith without works is dead, out of context. Like we feel like we're supposed to like make, make a formula, add some stuff together and sprinkle some stuff and stir some stuff and like poof, it's God doing something. Trust, yeah, I trust him, but I can't wait striving. You're trying to make something happen. You're trying to manipulate a situation. You don't have to manipulate anything when you're trusting and you're waiting. Well, maybe you're waiting, but you're not trusting. Well, then that means you're worrying. What does the scripture say? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, do prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Make your request known to God. Then the peace that surpasses come. The peace that surpasses all understanding will come and encompass you. You need to trust and you need to learn how to wait. Trusting and waiting equals peace in the midst of the storm. Psalms 35 and 25 says this, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I don't care what season you are in. If it's a hard season, you better muster up a testimony of what God has done before. Because when you know and see the footprints and remember the footprints of God doing miraculous things, parting the Red Sea in your life, it helps you for your today. It's important that we remember our testimony. What does the Bible say? We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. When you forget what God has done, you forget God. Like, how can the children of Israel be in the wilderness, see the Red P, the Red P, the Red Sea part, <laughs> see the Red Sea part, and they cross on dry land, bread bringing down from heaven, but yet they still, like, ah, because they forget. It's important that we continue to recant our testimony over and over again so that we don't forget the goodness and the strength of our God. The light is not just pointing at my feet. The light is not just shining upon me. But guess what? The light is in me. The light is in me. I want to give you this, this quote. Life isn't just happening to you. Life is happening through you when you have Jesus Christ on the inside of you. There's so many of us that play defense all the time. Like, oh, let me see what the devil's going to throw at me next. Or, oh, let me see what's going to happen next. Oh, I hope I can make it through. No. 
Life isn't happening to you. Life, real life, is happening through you. Why? Because Jesus says, I am, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So when I'm asking God to light it up, God's saying, stir it up. Because why? Because you're carrying it on the inside. Amen? There's a light that's shining from within me, not just for me, but to help other people find their way to their own light. It's okay for me to share my light for a while. It's okay for me to, to help people find their own way. But after a while, you have to turn on your own light. There's this story I like to tell about we went to, a, um, to the women's retreat, and it's the place where we're going to go this year. But this was two years ago. Well, we decided to go up at night early just to be there early and everything. So we get there at night, and it's really dark. We've never been there before, so we're not familiar with the terrain. So one of the ladies turned on their phone and said, oh, I have my phone. You know, the iPhone has a little flashlight on it. So we were all huddled behind this girl with her, her uh, phone on. But the thing is that we could see, and it helped a little bit. But the thing is that it helped me a little bit, but it helped her a lot. Why? Because she was holding it. So because she's holding it, she could see the ground, and she can see where there was puddles. And, you know, it's November, so where there's rain, there's little uh, potholes with water in it and all that kind of stuff. So we needed to know, like, am I going to step in a puddle of water? Like, you got to know, is this grass? Is this mud? What is this? So the light was helping us move around the terrain. Well, what the thing that's interesting is that whoever has the light is the most benefited for the journey. Whoever's following behind, borrowing the light, can only really see so much. So because I wasn't holding the light, she was holding the light. What I decided to do was mimic her body movements. When she went around, well, I went around because I'm trusting because she's holding the light. She sees something. So I'm going to go around whatever she sees. And the thing is that I wasn't the most benefited because I didn't have my own light. See, borrowed light is for the world, but the true light is for the children of God. Do you know we're supposed to possess the light? So that the world can borrow it. Just like how I followed behind the girl with the light at the campsite, that's how the world is looking at you. They see the light turned on, they see it, and they're following you, and they're mimicking you for a while. But it should lead them, because of the goodness of God leads us to repentance, it should lead them to want to turn on their own light. Like, wait a minute, I want my own light on my own journey so I can see where I'm going. The thing is that it's not wrong to follow someone and to mimic someone for so long. But the thing is that it should draw them to turn on their own light. Amen? Amen. The thing is I'm going to keep my light on for you. I'm going to keep it shining for you. But I'm hoping that sooner or later you're going to be encouraged to turn on your own light. I'm going to close out. But I want to tell you this story. God talks to me a lot in the gym. Like a lot. Like usually when I'm gasping for air and I'm on the verge of crying, that's when God wants to have some dialect. Dialogue. He wants to talk and be like, Kaya, you know, I've been really thinking about things. Like, oh, I don't want to talk right now. One of the things that God said to me one day as I was watching my trainer with disgust and hate, God says, train yourself for the day that there's no trainers. Lead yourself for the day that there are no leaders. You can't always depend that somebody's going to have a light on for you. You can't always depend that you're going to be able to see the leader in front of you. Sometimes your life can be and get so dark that the leaders that are in front of you, you can't even see them anymore. That you're going to have to stir something up within yourself. You're going to have to shake something. You know those little lanterns you shake? You shake the little lanterns and the light comes on? Yeah. It's like you have to stir something up within yourself. Because sometimes, maybe through situation or 
bogged down with some things or whatever. Maybe you're a little bit behind and they've gone on a little bit further. Now you're feeling a little left out and you're feeling a little left in the dark. And your first impulse is to be angry at them. Why'd they leave me? Don't they see I don't have my own light? Don't they see I can't see my way through here without using their light, borrowing their light? The thing is that it comes a time when we have to turn on our own light, stir it up within us, stir up the gift that's within you, stir up Jesus Christ that's on the inside of you. I believe when God spoke that word to me in the gym, it's because the trainer comes over because, you know, when you're getting tired, your form gets sloppy. Your form gets real sloppy. And when your form is sloppy, you can get hurt. Well, that's a lot of us on our spiritual walk. Sometimes we get tired. What does Galatians 6 and 9 says? Be weary. Do not be weary in well-doing. Sometimes I get weary doing good. So I just want to punch people in the face. But the coach comes over and says, hey, check your form. Check how you're loving people. Check how you're serving people. Check that jealousy, man. Check that comparison. Check it. Check that form. Because when you get lazy like that and your form lags, you get hurt. And you want to be mad at the person because you think somebody hurt you. No, your form was off. So when you get tired, you got to tell yourself, Kaya, check your form. Straight up that back. Bend your knees. Engage the core. Check your form. When the coach comes over and tells you, you could do five more, it's like, oh, should I be punching him in the face? No. The thing is that God's saying you should be telling yourself, I could do six more. Don't wait for somebody to come over and encourage and tell you who you are. You should already know on the inside of you who you are. Stir up the gift that's within you. Stir up your faith. Stir up your motivation. Stir up your zeal. Stir up your passion for yourself. Don't wait for the pastor to come up on the platform and engage you and encourage you and muster and, and, and fire you up again. Fire up yourself. God says lead to a point where you can lead when there is no leaders. He's saying train yourself for the day that there's no trainers. Have you guys ever felt like, well, I've outgrown that? Good. We'll start leading some people. It's not for somebody to keep coming up with clever ways to tell you how good God is. No, you want you to turn around and tell somebody how good God is. Don't wait to borrow someone's light all the time. Somebody says light it up. Light it up. Sometimes when the, when the situation gets dark in your marriage, when the situation gets dark with your children, when your situation gets dark in your finances and you don't see what tomorrow is going to look like. Because in your eyes, tomorrow is going to look a hot mess. Sometimes your prayer needs to be, Jesus, light it up. Jesus, light it up. Turn that lamp on my foot and you tell me where to step and I'll get to stepping. Why? Because a righteous man's footsteps are ordered by the Lord. Why? Because the lamp is on your feet telling you where to go. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he will direct your path. You can't always go where I go. You can't always do what I do or say what I, can, what I say. But I am prophesying and declaring over your life that you will go where God says that you will go. And you will say what God says that you will say. And you will be and do everything that God has already prophesied and proclaimed over your life. Light it up for you, for your journey, for your path, for your expected end. There's a certain place my kids know when I come to pick them up from school, I'm waiting for them to be in an expected place. School's out, where do I expect you to be? They already know. Do you know that's just like God? 
He's meeting us at the expected place when, it all, when it's all said and done. You don't have to tell God where to pick you up from because you are going to be in the place where he has expected you to be. And every step that the lamp is leading me to be is leading me to my expected end. I don't know where you're going, but I'm meeting Jesus. I don't know what you're doing and where you're following and who you're following, but I'm meeting Jesus at my expected end. I don't know if you feel like your life isn't leading up to something, but my life is leading up to my expected end, meeting God exactly where he's expecting me to be. But you got to light it up. You need discernment. You can't just go off of every phone call, every whim, every offer, every privilege, every bait and say, oh, it must be God. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. And he, 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 he will direct your path. You know, I started off talking about young Saul in Acts 22 and 9. Paul breaks down what happened on his transformation. I want to just read it to you real quick. Hey, we're ending, I promise. Now, it happened as I journeyed. This is Paul talking. And came near Damascus at, at about noon. Suddenly, a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light. I'll read that again. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. Remember I talked about young Saul? Young Saul. Saul was brilliant, he was zealous, and he was determined. He had people following him, y'all. He had people with him. Why? Because of all those great attributes. He was a leader. People were, people were following him to go and persecute the Christians. They were his ride or dies. They're like, let's do it. Let's kill him. Let's put him in jail. Whatever you're ready to do, Paul, I, Saul, I got your back. Let's go. All of a sudden, Saul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. The Bible says that they saw, they, the people that were with him, saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice. So all of a sudden now, Paul's direction is changing. What, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They were going to go kill some people, throw some people in jail, and all of a sudden Paul's going a different direction. What are they going to do? Have anybody ever been in a situation like that? Where you're following somebody... And, they're, and all of a sudden, they go in a completely different direction, and you're like, what, what am I going to do? You're going to have to light it up. The Bible said that they saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice. That's people that are with you and following you and seeing you and watching you right now. They see that there's a change about you. That, yeah, I can see she's definitely, he's definitely different. God has de is definitely doing something, but they're not hearing what you're hearing. They don't know what you know because God's not talking to him, to them, the way that he's talking to you. So the thing is that your light draws them because they're borrowing it. But you got to listen to the voice of God, discernment on where to go, on where to be, on what to do for your life. Somebody say light it up. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.